Welcome to Conductor's Brew. Matt, I am glad to see you again, my friend, on this nice, rather crisp fall morning. It's beautiful. It's almost a little cool. I thought, yeah. you know, maybe we should go sit out in the sun today, but no. it'll warm up. But you got, it gives you a good excuse to wear a very nice sweater. I've got myself oh, thank you. Uh, not as nice sweater, but it's, yeah. it's, it does the job. So uh, anyway, how you doing, yeah. my friend? I'm hanging in there. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a couple uh, of weird days, getting yeah. some weird news. Yeah. And uh, what a week, you know. We had I that know. debate Tuesday night, which I did not watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was intense. Uh, yeah. And I decided to focus on other things like um, coffee. Yeah. And music. And that's where I'm at. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's you're, you're probably healthier for it. Oh, and man. I got I got to say the yard looks pretty good. It looks like you got mowed. Yeah, I think it got mowed uh, last week. Actually, it's just slowing down. Oh, it's cooler nights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just so the residual effect. Yeah, the lawn update. Yeah, <laughs> and the tree got cut down. But I think I said that last time. Yeah, we, we time. were that, already yeah, we up on trees. Yeah. The branches are still yeah. in, in the driveway. And the stump was ground out, and the the hole almost got covered properly. Yeah. They, I loved it. They just took a big. It took a big patch of turf from one side of the lawn and stuck it on the hole. It's like a graft. Like yeah, a skin it's, graft it doesn't make any lawn. sense. Like, why, you know. So you, you have a hole in one spot, and now you have a hole in another Correct. spot. Yeah, we created a hole. Somebody created a hole to replace one hole, and now we've got another hole. That's weird. Yeah. Well, what else okay. is Okay. Well, all right. Well, thank, thanks for the update <laughs> on the on the turf situation. Uh, so let's get on to the yeah. important business uh, today. Yes. Uh, what, what are we drinking well, here? Very, it's very, very delicious. excited to... to, to to be back with one of my favorite favorite local breweries, Public, spelled with a K. Oh at yes, the end. yes. Yeah. They're, just they're, down the street yeah, too. Just down the street. Neighborhood you can even walk there. They have been closed, closed for much of the quarantine, and just in the last few weeks, when the state went to, uh, or rather, when the county went to yellow, they did the public reopen for takeout only. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I stopped by yesterday and and grabbed a bag of Kenya Marang Ah. I think, yeah, I'm not sure how to say that. I mean, it might be marang ah. I'm not really sure. It's got that little, you know, yeah, mark I, at the end. I or do hash not mark. know. Uh, it's just, this is from the Kiriga Estate, double A. I don't know what that means. I'm meant to look that up. But All right. Yeah. So, no, they're very specific on their on their, on their their bags about where it comes from, what varietal it is, who the, the, the roastery is. And uh, I made some siphon, a siphon brew of this this morning. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's just intense that's all i can say is is it's an intense kind of uh almost meaty flavor yeah it, what do you think Larry? well as a you vegetarian i don't really press. do much with the meat <laughs> it's been a while but to but when you when i think of media what is the term is it umami yeah i don't really know what that means it's really savory savory okay yeah, yeah but that's a good point when people tell me oh that's got a lot of umami yeah what I think of for that, I also think of for this. Okay. That's the best no, thing. No, you're right. Now that I think about it, when I have like really good green tea and I brew it properly, it's got a similar sort of savory meatiness to it. It, yeah. it, it just, yeah, like soy sauce does, you know? Like it's got that yeah, kind of. Yeah, there you uh, go. There you go. Kind of like, whoa, kind of kick to the, to the tongue. And the whole mouth is just sort of like, bam. Yeah. Sorry, Emerald. <laughs> uh, you have to cut him a check now. Yeah. You use this word. So right. the tasting notes on this: uh, black currant, orange, and Ooh. cherry tomato. And I'm, honestly, I'm not sure I get any of those. <laughs> well, it's just supposed to. It's food for the imagination. You know what? I think I can taste tomatoes. That's that umami. I mean, yeah, it's got it's that the... kind of mouth puckery sort of fruitiness. What do you taste? Um, let me let me try this again. Okay, more. I'm going with the tomatoes. tomatoes There's definitely yeah. a tomato taste in there. Interesting. Yeah. It's like a well, little spaghetti saucy. Yeah, it is. 
yeah, like spaghetti sauces and uh, like cooked all night kind of a thing. You know, kind of a yeah. kind of a savory deliciousness. But this is my first cup of coffee for the day, so I, I, okay. I could be, could be anything. Could I, be anything. My brain is only halfway you, on. You but I got to say, thank yeah. you, thank you for getting something from Publix. We are really glad uh, that they are They're still back. kicking. Yeah. So many businesses have been hit hard, and um, I know, I know, particularly they're one of your favorites. They are, and they are a good, uh, good local Salt Lake company. I think they're just Salt Lake. Are they? Have you noticed? Yes, in other parts I'm pretty of the sure States? they're just in town. Okay. Yeah. A right. Small batch. Small batch roaster. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. All right. Well, want yep. to move on to the uh, nerd moment? The nerd today? moment. Yes. You so, want to go first? Sure. I'd love to. I was uh, up in Evanston again last night, Thursday night rehearsal. And uh, it's great to be back up there, I have to say. We're doing this, this short rehearsal thing when, uh, uh-oh. What happened? Dogfight. Oh. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Yeah, that was weird. Anyway. Long, <laughs> we're long back. Long story short, that was a little <laughs> upsetting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, okay, back to, uh, back to Evanston. I'm uh, working with both the choir and the um, orchestra up there, mm -hmm. and I've been thinking, giving a lot of thought to choir warm-ups. So I'm, I'm oh. using this as sort of like an experiment to to warm up uh, choirs and, and figure out what works best I, for these communities. Can choirs. I interject really Please. quick? Yeah. Um, remind me when you were doing uh, the theater work down in Georgia. Did you work with the choirs, or did they have a separate choir coach, or how did that? Kind of. They so what we did down there was uh, the well. Huh, to be honest, they didn't need much coaching because th these actors were quite capable and and they could sing. They had huh. pretty good technique, good. all of them. Yeah. So really, all that was required from me, uh, they they had a pianist uh, coach who was kind of you know teaching them as they needed. Uh, but uh, all that I was really required to do was to coordinate everything. Okay. So I would come in and watch rehearsals and let their vocal coach and pianist do uh, do their thing. And then if I had something that I needed to say in terms of addiction or technique or just rhythms and notes, I would say it. Uh, and then when we would bring uh, everybody together, basically all I needed to do was conduct it and it okay. would work. Yeah. So that was a pleasure. Cool. Yeah, that was ideal. This is a little bit different. Okay, I'm, I'm, so yeah, I'm plunking out notes and and teaching gotcha. teaching lines one by one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this, this is this is a group of people that they love to come together and and to make music. I get the feeling that most of them don't have any formal training, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of trying to. What what I've learned is that in the warm ups, I need to really focus on proper production of sound. So the first thing I have them do is uh, just do a little bit of stretching and breathing, just to kind of get re-familiar with those those mechanics, uh, and then uh, we'll do we'll do some humming. I like to I like to get them to kind of get that that good buzzy sound going from a, a sort of a gentle a place of humming rather than just singing all out right away. And uh, last night I did something a little bit different, which was I I had them hum a bit more, doing um, kind of descending fifths humming. An opening to this vowel mm -hmm. sound at the end. I remember I, I briefly sang in a choir for well for two years. I remember doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it, it's great. It gets the it gets the the vocal cords going, but it also gets uh, the rest of the face kind of going, so that you get that nice resonance happening. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's my nerd moment. I'm I'm just trying to, to mess with uh, mess with some mess with some different warm up techniques and 
seeing how that works. And uh, definitely an improvement last night over the week before where I did a little less warming up than I probably could have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so last night was a bit more productive. Well, good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to see how, how this goes. I am, I am not... Uh, like I said, I, I sang in a choir, but I don't have a, a ton of experience conducting choirs. I've I've, I've had some, but um, anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting uh, interesting new branch to the career for you. It, okay. Yeah, it's a different challenge, that's for sure. All right, my nerd moment is com- it, it is not musical at all. It's actually somewhat political in nature, given we are in in the in the season of of the election coming up. But it's a book recommendation. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And it's not a new book. It's, I think it's been out for several months at this point. It's called A Thousand Small Sanities. And um, it is basically what it is, is an exploration of what actually is liberalism. Now, I mean, people think liberalism, they think right, left, Democrat, Republican. They think Republican, uh, Democrats are liberal. And to a certain extent, the it is. Yeah. But historically, liberalism has meant different things, and we've applied that term differently. So this is kind of a, a deep dive into what, what liberalism has meant historically. And then he is really, the part I'm into right now, because I haven't finished it yet, it's into the critiques of liberalism from the right, from conservatives, and then from the left. Uh, you know, so anyway, it's, it's very fascinating. And I think, you know, we, we have these political terms out there, and I think we kind of owe it to ourselves to do a little bit deeper dive into philosophies, and especially if it's philosophies mm. you may not necessarily agree with yourself. And uh, and, th- and this author is a proponent of this, this concept of liberalism, but he delves into and, and gives full airing to the critiques that come from different political perspectives on what liberalism is about. So I think it's I think it's a really fascinating uh, dive, and and so I kind of was reminded, like you know. Even though we're in the season of politics and we're thinking about candidates running for office from the president on down, um, I think it's important that people take a little deeper dive into what what politics is all about. Mm. I think I think it's good for your your civic duty um, as a as a member of this country to kind of to delve into into stuff and to get beyond sort of the, the issues of the day. Here, I here. mean, the issues of the day are important, but to sort of get into what what some of these philosophies all about. Yeah. I think I think that's a uh, that's going to just help make you a better citizen, well, better we get voter. So, we get so bogged down in the day-to-day, yeah. he said, she said, and, and really who drives that dialogue or who drives that messaging. It's interesting where all this comes from. You know, each each uh, each party kind of puts out their own talking points and the media either chooses to pick up on that or they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, you know, like what's the found, like you said, what is the foundation of, of, our, of our different party beliefs? And... It it often is a, an amalgamation, if you will, of of, of different theories, uh, but but liberalism in this sense, is, at least in my understanding, it, it's you know it's not related to a party at all. It's just a it's just a philosophy of of, of life, right? Yeah, and 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 the, and the the thing is is that there are what you according to like the definition of liberalism that this guy is working from, you would see that. In present in Republican philosophies as well as Democratic Party philosophies. So anyway, I just I, I, I wanted to just to give a shout out to that, and I think also it's in, important for us to to sort of look at different ideologies and where they come from, and it, I think it can help be an antidote to some of this tribalism that mm. we've, we've we've fallen into yeah. in in this country and, and actually really around the world, and and to see other people who have different approaches and to maybe you don't have to agree with it necessarily, but to sort of maybe get a deeper understanding about where that's coming from. Anyway, oh, man. I'm no. not trying to heal the world here with my with this podcast no, no, nerd I mean, moment, but I, I'm right there it's with a, you. It's, it's a stressful like time, it. you know. We're, we're all trying to 
yeah. kind of hold on through the election, and we're getting down to the wire. It's a month away still, but yeah. that's well, an a, eternity in the political world. It's a good. I, I, this book is a good, um, a good break from the day-to-day rough and tumble of the campaign. So there you go. All right. Well, shall we move on to our topic of the day? Indeed. All right. Shall we introduce our guest? Do we really need to introduce him? We don't. I mean, we do because it's a different show, but everybody knows who he is by now. Yeah, it's sure. McKeever. Yeah. Matt McKeever. Are Welcome you there? Back. Turn your mic on, hey. McKeever. Hey. I am right here. All right. From the sunny state of Wisconsin. From an undisclosed location somewhere in Wisconsin. Somewhere uh, just outside of Green Bay. I love you, Wisconsin. No. You're in Milwaukee, right? I am in Milwaukee, but I will actually be close to Green Bay or Appleton this evening. Um, yeah. You ever get down uh, to Janesville? Oh, uh, actually, yeah. I um, played uh, a few gigs um, with the Beloit Janesville Symphony Orchestra. Oh, okay. That's where my people are from. My mom's side is from Janesville. Okay. My mom was born in Janesville, and uh, she didn't. My mom was a military military kid. My grandfather was in the, was a crew navy uh, navy enlisted man, and uh, but she was born there. And my my grandmother's uh, relatives still live. Mm. Well, some of them still live in Janesville. So, oh, wonderful. shout out to Janesville, Wisconsin. Woo-hoo. All right. Well, so I am I am being broadcast uh, very graciously. Thank you very much uh, via my my home in Milwaukee. Um, Matt, I will say that I am jealous of the coffee that you are drinking. Yeah, uh, you but should be. I I am while I am here, I am taking the time to indulge in some of my favorite coffee, um, uh, Stone Creek coffee. Mm. Uh, they have this uh, this wonderful. Uh, heirloom Ethiopian that is just uh, sensational, oh, and uh, you know maybe maybe if, if if Matt and I can agree on something today, I'll uh, I'll I'll be nice and bring some back. <laughs> well, we, we're not going to have our hopes up, but <laughs> hope, hope springs eternal. Whatever. I think, I think we'll All right, agree. So, is, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to introduce the the, show, the, the well, topic that's of the what day. I was but if you guys do. want to banter more, no, okay. I, I mean all I was going to say was uh, I think we'll agree. On, on, on many things today, he, uh, Matt and I, uh, because we're, we're not talking exactly about music today. We're, we're talking about music in a sense of how to found uh, and run a uh, community group. Exactly. Which yes. Matt has done. I have not founded a group, mm-hmm. but I am uh, the music director with two groups. Well, you're and pers- Larry, you are as well, right? Yes, I am, and I and I have founded a group back in North Carolina. So, okay. but I think your perspective of coming into um, and and what I want to really kind of delve in with you today is mm-hmm. is is sort of the the differences because each of your groups operates a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. maybe we can talk about yes, those quite differences. Yeah. But so one of the things, and this this podcast, as 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 we conceived of it a long time ago, <clears throat> we've been on the air. Galaxy is, far, this, far away. Yeah, we've yeah. been doing this for a little while. I was I looking at this that. The other, you know, this is this is lucky number thirteen, y'all. Is it? Is it really? Well, I'm I think glad so. you know that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I to go. I got to go on Apple Podcasts yeah. and count the episodes. All right. Well, th- thanks for being a fan, McKeever. Yeah, I don't have any fan mail today, unfortunately. Now your dad didn't write you. Yeah, come on, postcard. Dad. I need, need a weekly postcard. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> as we were saying, getting back to the point of the show, is uh, this this podcast was conceived of as for people who are who are, for lack of a better word, just working everyday conductors. You know. Folks like us who have uh, maybe some student orchestras, maybe some semi-professional groups or, or you know, community groups, and kind of talking about the issues that might be re- related to that. And so one of the episodes I've always had in the back of my mind was doing something like this, where we're trying to uh, get a better understanding of, uh, of what it takes to run these community orchestras. 
Um, so anyway, um, I've, I have found over the years that uh, it's one of the most rewarding aspects of my career. And I absolutely love working with my student groups and everything. And um, But one of the things with students is like they, uh, they graduate, they move on. So you're constantly kind of getting new, new people. But one of the great things about the community groups is a lot of these folks stay around for a long time. And um, if you're with an orchestra for several years, as I have been with mine, you really form close relationships and it becomes kind of like a family. So it's a really mm -hmm. rewarding part of the career. So if you're out there and you're kind of getting, getting into this business and getting into conducting, one of the things you're going to probably have as a big part of your career is working with a community group. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk a little bit about today about some of the uh, things you need to consider while working with a community group. And if you're wanting to found one, kind of the process you need to, to go about doing that. So, with you that, start from the beginning with founding. With founding, all right. Yeah. Let's 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 start with that. So I'm just um, let McKeever. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the process you did to found your group? And, and first of all, talk a little bit about uh, what you know in terms of how the orchestra operates. And I think that will lead us into what is um, the process you went by for founding it. Certainly. Um, so the process, to be to be really honest, is is going to be um, a little a little wonky when I talk about it because it was kind of something that originated from one idea and then we just kind of ran with it. Um, so so my group here in Milwaukee, uh, the Milwaukee Philharmonic, it's a group that performs you know roughly three or four Masterworks concerts a year. Um, and we, we usually try to find, you know, one piece of, of really big rep that we'll focus on, on the, on the concert, but then supplemented with, with smaller pieces of rep. Um, we rehearse like a professional or, um, or regional orchestra where we would essentially just do one week's worth of rehearsing um, usually three or sometimes four rehearsals over the course of a week and then do one concert. Mm. Yeah. So how did you go about, so you, you have a little bit of a different schedule than, than what, what mm -hmm. I do is, which is the weekly rehearsal kind of thing. Um, so in terms of, of that one, of that, that more, like you said, like a regional orchestra, did that uh, affect the kind of player you were recruiting? Not necessarily. Um, you know, we had to be very careful with which nights we scheduled particular rehearsals or, you know, one of the things uh, that you do have to be aware of um, when when working with or creating a group and then having uh, members of your orchestra who are also part of different orchestras mm -hmm. um, is trying to find either a week where a, you're not competing with another regional orchestra mm -hmm. um, uh, for players in, in concerts. Um, and also, you know, being in, in Salt Lake and then in being here in Milwaukee, trying to, to navigate the avenue of not programming um, concerts over the large orchestra, you know, over the, the Utah Symphony or the, the Milwaukee yeah. So I think one of the yeah, the, and one of the issues that you always kind of run into. Oh, loud, loud. That's cars. a Corvette Stingray. All right, there you go. Fa fancy car with loud, loud, loud pipes. Um, well, yeah. One of the issues that that you know we always have to consider when we're working with community groups is scheduling. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, with a group like Matt's, um, you know, you've got 
people who might play in different orchestras. So as long as you're, you have this whole big, large calendar, you kind of have to constantly be balancing. Whereas with yeah. mine, I say, all right, your Monday night, well, I actually we've now moved to Wednesday night because yeah. we had to change venues. But anyway, in the old times, we were, we were like, Monday night is, is Wasatch Symphony Night. And that's reserved mm. for that. Um, and we would do concerts on the weekends. Um, in North Carolina, I did all the rehearsals, all the concerts on Tuesday nights. So it's like, hey guys, you know, just Tuesday nights are our Pitt Community College Orchestra, and um, that's that's it. So it, it, it's a different way of scheduling it. Um, but when you have um, uh, an orchestra like Matt's, it's a little bit different. Um, now, Mainella, mm -hmm. you your orchestra in Vernal. Yeah. It works on that same similar schedule, yes, too. Yes, it does. So talk, talk about how that schedule okay. works with that community group. Yes, they prefer to have that... They prefer to have that semi-pro schedule as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they only have two concerts a year. Although last year, this year, uh, we haven't had any. And we won't have any until yeah. next year, unfortunately. But uh, what they do when, they're, when they are getting together is uh, they schedule a concert for a weekend that they've check to make sure nobody else is doing anything on because of the area because of of how uh integrated not integrated that's the wrong word um everybody kind of goes to the same stuff so the community is such that if there's a fair a big county fair happening everybody goes there that weekend if there's another big event sporting event happening everybody goes there that weekend and so they really have to not eat the board who, who schedules the concerts they really have to look at not only the other musical events that are happening wow especially all the other uh, public events that are happening uh, because they they just won't have a crowd otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, and so actually uh, this year we kind of ran up against uh, an issue uh, with another performing group actually that was meeting down the road and we sort of managed to make it work but um, we had already set our schedule and then they the other group decided they were going to have a concert or a rehearsal on the same day that we were going to have a rehearsal. Uh, they didn't check. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we were having to manage that. Uh, so even rehearsals, they, they, we, so what we do, let me, let me describe what we do. When I say a semi-professional schedule, it's a community orchestra, yes, but uh, the week of the concert, they'll, they'll do a Thursday night rehearsal, Friday uh, morning rehearsal, or Friday night rehearsal, Saturday morning dress rehearsal, and then get this, they, they do after the Saturday morning dress, they'll do a Saturday afternoon matinee and a Saturday night concert. Mm. And I might change that. That's a bit much for one day. Yeah, three that's, that's services a bit of a day, yeah. Day, yeah. Uh, and um, that is because there are folks coming from uh, six hours away, in some cases, to drive up. And oftentimes, uh, that's the only rehearsal that they, the only rehearsal times they can make are those few rehearsals, uh, the Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. What that group also does in the months, the months prior to that week, that concert week, is they will get together on a Saturday and they will rehearse for many hours during yeah. that Saturday uh, with or without their music director. Sometimes they'll have a conductor, sometimes they'll have sectionals, uh, but it's always, almost always two or three Saturday rehearsals that they require their members to go to. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so that's, that's how they do it there is the advance... Uh, months in advance rehearsals and then the week of rehearsals as well. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've never conducted or <clears throat> been the music director of a group that does that kind of a schedule. The 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 one where you have a block of rehearsals in successive days, like one day after the next, and then concert. Um, I've always done the we rehearse one day a week for two two hours, two and a half hours, and then 
we do a concert several weeks later. So, what what, what, you, what are the advantages and disadvantages mm-hmm. of the the we'll call it, for lack of a better word the the semi pro uh, model where you have the clump of rehearsals? Yeah, that kind of reminds me of and and McKeever, yeah. jump in on this too if you want. Yes, that kind of reminds me of uh, you know when we were doing uh, high school you know regional or all state orchestras that kind of a thing where where you learn the music in advance, but then you all get together for two or three rehearsals that are just forever, it seems like. Oh, yeah. And you do the concert, right? I think there's several advantages to that. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about those, and then I'll distinguish that from how a uh, professional orchestra works versus a community orchestra. So I think the advantages of the way uh, that we're, my group in Vernal does it is people get to learn the music well in advance of that concert week. And that's good because some of them have some training, some of them don't. Some of them need that time. Uh, some of them don't necessarily need the time. Uh, and so it's good for everybody, I think, to be able to share that load. Now, getting together two or three days in advance of a concert, I think, is always great because you stay focused on the music. You stay focused on what you just rehearsed. Retention from rehearsal to rehearsal increases because you don't have six days in between. You just yeah. have a few hours in between. And I think it's easier to view the experience as one, one thing rather than, oh, I go to rehearsal and then I forget about the music for a week. And then I go to rehearsal and I forget about the music for a week. This way, it's sort of, there's, there's a more steady build to the concert, I think. Yeah. Um, professional orchestras, they have different repertoire every week. And so they have a different challenge, which is being able to more or less perfect their repertoire in three or four days, uh, every week, new repertoire. And you get to the point where you just, you do the same repertoire over and over again, multiple years worth of, of you know, 40 to 50 concerts kind of a thing a year, you, you just learn the repertoire, you just know it. And so you don't need weeks and weeks and weeks well, of, yeah. of, of rehearsals. Ba- basically, yeah. the rehearsals are, if you get a guest conductor, we have to learn how this conductor now wants to do Dvorak 8. That's right. You know, we did it last time, and that guy did it this way, and now this lady wants to do it some other way, and we're going to have to learn, learn the way she's yeah. doing it. And so, you, have, you have a few days to adjust to each other. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in the community setting, I would say it's more about learning the music and yeah. then just being able to get it together <laughs> week after week after week. But the, uh, yeah. but the disadvantage is, and McKeever, are you still there? It's great. Oh, there, oh, there he is. <laughs> okay. All right. The disadvantage is, is and I want to ask you, uh, McKeever, about this. Um, or you can you can jump into Manal mm. if you want to, but um, it seems like the, the 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 scheduling thing going back to that would be hard to get people who aren't professional musicians to to block out that much time. Mm. I can imagine you know if I was to do that with my groups, they say, well, I can't do Thursday, I got this, and right. I can't do Friday, I got that. That that seems like a big challenge, but 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 it sounds like McKeever, you've been successful at this. What's the secret to that, or or the tactics at least? Well, I think for, for me, I'm very lucky and very blessed um, because a lot of the musicians that I have in my orchestra, um, I mean, I would say roughly about 75% of them have their masters in their instrument, wow. you know, that are just looking for an orchestral outlet that mm. they can get into. You know, um, in Wisconsin, and I'm pretty sure it's the same way in, in a lot of places, you know, the regional orchestras, there are some regional orchestras that pay, and most do not. Mm. Um, even if they're even if they're you know community established um, and have name recognition to them, they 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 don't pay their musicians. They just don't have the funding. <clears throat> Correct. I mean, and and my orchestra is is of the same of that. You know, every musician that plays, with the exception of one 
one performance that we we were hired out to do um they don't they don't get paid for it um you know this was uh, i guess i can talk about this on the, the podcast since it's conductor's brew yes that's um, right. you know uh what i have done for for my group is is i personally treat whoever wants to go at the end of a concert out to get a beer i personally pay for the first round I mean, that's that's how i have functioned so you bribe them a little a bit, thank you know. You. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bribery works played, well amongst musicians. I've played when for food and, and drink on numerous <laughs> occasions. I know what that's all about. We all have to eat. Yeah, no, that's that's good, Matt. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so you know, because I know the caliber of the musician that I'm working with, most of the time it's not it's not a big deal for me to to say, yeah, it's fine. You don't have to be at every rehearsal, mm. um, as long as I can have. Uh, you know, a, a solid foundation of musicians who are able to attend every rehearsal, I think that we're usually pretty okay. You know, I, I honestly cannot think of any sort of concert situation that I have had thus far with my orchestra where every musician was present for every rehearsal mm. before the concert. And it's just, even even dress rehearsals, you know, Sometimes you have to be lenient, knowing knowing people's schedules and 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 knowing that, and also knowing loyalty. You know, um, I I will say that I, again. I'm very lucky to have a lot of musicians who have who have passed up other opportunities in order to play repertoire with my orchestra, which is, which is very nice. Um, I'm not sure if that says something about me or if it says something about the repertoire that I choose, but... <laughs> Both, um, probably. Both, and, and in good ways. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. People want to well, play with you, yeah. Exactly. Well, one of the things that's also part of this topic of scheduling, and is that about where can you find a venue to rehearse in. Mm. And this, and again, having not done the block kind of rehearsals, just doing the once a week rehearsals, I found that that works pretty good because most places that you would rehearse at would be like... Um, at a school or at a church or a synagogue, mm -hmm. uh, Wasatch Symphony rehearses normally at the synagogue. Um, um, <clears throat> and so they oftentimes have weekly events that you would have to work around. But if you said, all right, Monday night's our night, then that sort of is an easier thing to fit into the schedule. Yeah. So that's one, in, at least in my mind, that's one argument for the every week rehearsal. Um, so, but Matt, where, where you guys rehearse in Milwaukee, where, where, where is it that you rehearse? And have you found that's a problem with scheduling, finding places that can give you several nights in a row to rehearse? Um, sort of. We have been very lucky and have had um, a plethora of churches who have donated their space to us. Um, hmm. Because a lot of our musicians um, that I've that I've worked with and and have have come to play with my orchestra will also be part of like little ensembles mm. who, you know, will will frequent different churches as as, as sub musicians and, and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of how how this began. Um, you know, to, to really kind of establish, we have you know we had we've had I think three or four different churches that we've performed at, but one of them is kind of our primary home location where people know us more from than, than others um, and that started because the music director there has been very involved in trying to get other opportunities for other people mm. um, you know like I remember even prior to mm. the Milwaukee Phil starting I had played at that church 
several times on, on for for several paid and unpaid performances. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you might want to consider if you are out there listening and you're in a smaller area, uh, or if you're, if you're a larger area, you might be able to have a bit more flexibility like you would in Milwaukee. Uh, one of the things that where I found in my orchestra at, at Pitt, at, at, it's, it was at Pitt Community College, would have a significant community component, and that was back in North Carolina. It's a smaller area. We had less choices. So, um, and wanting to have a consistent location because we'd have people coming from all over. So we wouldn't want to be, say, in one spot for a while, and then we got to move next concert. We're at a different location. And all of a sudden, mm. people are further away. I have gotten pushback about when I have switched venues, even if it hasn't been that far. Uh, mm. People are like, "Oh, I got to drive farther yeah. now." So just kind of keep that in mind about the, the the question of can you consistently find a venue mm. near that's that's going to be uh, in the same basic area, even if you switch. And I and I personally think it's good to build a long term relationship mm. with an organization. Um, because then you're less likely to to experience pushback from that organization if you're a long-term good okay. tenant, if you will. So I have a, I have a question. Sure. Then. So uh, I, I haven't had to deal with the that aspect of, of reserving spaces or trying mm -hmm. to find spaces. Have either of you had to personally go about uh, contacting um building owners or building managers and, and, and working out yes. how you're going to share that or if you can use the space. Tell me about that process. Sure, absolutely. I'll, I'll jump in first here because I just actually did it very recently. Oh, wow. Um, so the Wasatch Symphony, as I mentioned, usually rehearses on Monday nights, but we've moved to Wednesday during the pandemic because our usual location is not open. They're not opening their building. Um, but we found a, a, a church, uh, Christ United Methodist Church, just down in Holiday. I, th I think it's Holiday. I don't know. Just south. It's just south of, of I-80. I think that's Holiday. Me I get too. a little confused. Yeah, me too. Oh, where the, maybe it's Mill Creek. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's near where Baldwin lives, I think. Oh. Okay, but I digress. But they, they're letting <laughs> us use their gym. And so the gym is very big, and we're having strings only. And so it's plenty of space mm. to spread out, lots of space for the air to mix and all that kind of good stuff. So, mm. but, I, but I had to, I went out there and I met with the, the, uh, the pastor of the church and uh, met with the facility manager. And you have to consider a lot of things. You First of all, just from a very practical sense, like who's going to open and close the door? Mm. You know, yeah. are you responsible for it? Yeah. Or is someone going to show up and let and you in and, and let yeah. you out of the building? Um, and, that, and that kind of practical stuff you want to make sure, because you can reserve the space with the office manager, but then you got to make sure that that office manager has told you who is going to open and close yeah. the door. So that's really uh, important, and uh, and I ran into that last night. Did you? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I I thought we had gotten approval for us to be in the building, and I think we did. Uh oh. <laughs> um, but the doors were locked, I guess, and yep. uh, and luckily there was a volleyball game happening, so we were able to kind of go go around the back and. <laughs> I've done that. And, and oh my and, gosh! Prop a door. So that I, that happened to me um, at one of the schools I've rehearsed at. Uh, the the door we normally go in yeah. was not open, but there was a basketball game. Yeah. The gym. I literally walked into the basketball game, walked right <laughs> underneath. I didn't like go on the court, but yeah. I walked around the side, and I was like looking at like who's who that is this random guy with a bag? You, you know do what like, you got to do. And went around and let the people in. And the thing is, the is the custodian just forgot. So here's a pro uh, tip: yeah. get the custodian cell phone number. Uh, if there is a custodian who's on duty at that building so you can call them i have stood out in the snow and pounded on the door mm -hmm. to try and get the custodian's attention and after that i got his cell phone and okay 
I'm going to write never, this down. We never, yeah, write it down. <laughs> Take notes. You, um, you know, Larry, and, and I'll tell you this, with, with the same, same sort of thing that you're talking about, uh, if you're rehearsing in a venue and you are doing a, a schedule where you have instrumentalists who are coming at different times, also make sure that the uh, building is unlocked when those musicians arrive. Mm. Because I have been in situations where I have been on the podium and sometimes, and I, and I try not to do this very often, but sometimes as a, as a conductor, especially if you're looking at time, you put your cell phone on your stand yeah. and realize that I had missed many a call from people who were saying we can't get in the building because uh, the door was locked. It was like, it was like an automatic lock? Like it was uh, open when you got there? automatic lock or, or, the, um, or the, the, the janitor or custodian, custodian yep. had, 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 had um, uh, you know, locked the door. Um, thinking that everyone had, had already arrived. Yeah, that's, that's you know, uh, that's the, the same exact same thing happened to me. Uh, so one of the things that we do actually to, to remedy that is we have one member of our orchestra who is, he's also our librarian, but he's kind of the facilities guy mm. too. So he's responsible for uh, making sure that there's door, the door is always open. Because I think, I think at one of our venues we have automatic locks um, or something like that. But anyway, we had that same issue like you're talking about where, you know, trombones don't need to show up until 8 o'clock or something like that. And so his job was to make sure that he was there to open the door. So, yep, that's you, you, the, all these little things that, that happen that um, if you're not in yeah. a big institution like a school or a professional orchestra where you've got to uh, you've got to pay attention to those stuff. So, yeah, so so getting a good venue, knowing who's going to open or close the doors. Are, are you know, really there, there's also one thing that I forgot to touch on that I was thinking about. Um, that, and I'm sorry to, to kind of rehash and, and interject in this. You know, when I have uh, d used different venues, sometimes different venues will have different scheduling conflicts. Hmm. So, you know, with the, the typical way that, that we usually would run, you know, we'd usually do a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. But then depending on what location we do use, we have to switch to a Monday, Wednesday, hmm. Friday. Hmm. Yeah, and that and that and that's that's uh, one of those problems. Is like you know, if if you if your players can can roll with that, that's good. But you want to be thinking about the consistency of, of scheduling, and yeah, also like th think about taking care of yourself too, because this is something that I always have to think of. Because most of the time, these rehearsals are at night, um, yes. and I don't know about you guys, but like I I don't do super well working at night. Mm -hmm. I am a morning person, which is why I love this podcast. We yeah. broadcast in the morning. Um, but I, I don't do great at night, uh, which is a hazard of being a musician. I understand that. Um, and so I have to kind of ramp myself up. Mm. So in terms of thinking about when you're scheduling these stuff, think about what your day is going to be like. Yeah. And uh, give yourself some time for recuperation, especially if you're a morning person like me. And, and going out to a rehearsal at 7 o'clock at night requires you to boost up your energy level, like get your adrenaline going or whatever. Um, I had a day once where I would, uh, a Wednesday, at one point a few years ago, where I would teach in the morning, like my, my lecture classes, and I'd have an afternoon rehearsal for three hours, mm. and then I had a little bit of a break, and then I had a night rehearsal for two and a oh, half hours. Right. It was just terrible. Um, and, that, and, and rehearsing at night is, is really the only one thing that, I, from my perspective, just because I'm a morning person, that is rough about um, community ensembles is because, yeah. by necessity, because most people work during the yeah. day, they need to be rehearsing yeah. at night. So, so well, those I was struggling last night. I, I couldn't get a sentence together. Yeah, yeah one of those nights, you know. Mm -hmm. You just got to kind of push on through. Yeah. So, so those are all things to think about when you're scheduling. Is like take care of yourself, you know. And uh, 
create a schedule that's going to be able to work for you. And you've got that long drive to Evanston, oh, yeah. so that, that's drive, a That's the thing is, is if I leave, uh, rehearsal starts at six. And if I, if I leave uh, here at about 4.15, Salt Lake that is, if I leave Salt Lake then, I just miss the worst of the traffic, mm -hmm. rush hour going out. Um, if I leave a little bit later, I can get stuck in traffic. And then I'm stressed because, yeah. you know, I, I got to get there on time, blah, blah, blah. It hasn't happened where I've been late yet, but I've been, I've cut it pretty close. You know, I'm walking in right at six kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, That's tough. I, I have taken to uh, listening to books on CD. Because my old car doesn't have any other method to play, <laughs> to play stuff. So I'm listening to, to books on CD, and it, it makes the trip go so much faster, and I'm way less stressed, and I drive slower, I take my time. Um, so I recommend that. If you, need to, if you need to make a long trip in advance of a rehearsal, either get there early and give yourself time to, to kind of just be in the space and not have to talk to anybody or do anything or set up or anything, but just kind of collect oneself um, or to find a way to just make the drive relaxing. And yeah. I kind of think of it as that way. It's a beautiful drive. And, it is and, a and gorgeous it's, drive. It's, it's almost an adventure. It feels like an adventure. So when you're going through Echo Canyon, and oh. it's... Yeah, know, it is. If, if, feel like a pioneer. Yeah, if you haven't been through Echo Canyon, I mean, there's so many beautiful Utah canyons, but, but Echo Canyon is sort of, uh, I think, underappreciated. It, it was one of the first um, uh, em, uh, emigration routes, yeah. actually. Yeah, and, and uh, folks would take a... Take a take their 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 wagon train through Echo Canyon. Yeah, now it's I eighty. Now it's I eighty and a major um, Union Pacific uh, rail route. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so it's it's not uh, unfortunately you're not going to hear many echoes in Echo Canyon anymore, other than the highway traffic. But apparently right. it was named that because you could you could hear echoes up and down the canyon. It's just so narrow. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Yeah. But it's but that's that's a good point. Is is like find those moments where you in that schedule where you can rest. Yeah. Now you mentioned the part about uh, you know kind of coming into rehearsal. Here's another pro tip. Don't uh, and I don't always do this myself, but see if you can get some folks to help you with any kind of setup. Mm -hmm. Designate someone who's going to be the chairperson, uh, and by chairperson I mean the person who sets up the chairs. Uh, and if you have to bring, or if you have stands there setting up the stands too. Um, but anyway, try and get some help so that you don't have a big day. When I first founded my orchestra pit, par par partly because I did all, I did like all this stuff, partly because I just wanted to learn it all. But like I would go in there in the morning. We had rehearsal on Tuesday nights. I go in the morning to the venue and I would set up all the chairs because they didn't have anything else in there and make sure it was all set up to kind of relax myself a little bit. And I get all the stands, and I get everything set up, and and you know it was like kind of a, a anxiety dealing with thing. But anyway, I love that I do that too. Setting up really gets a lot of those nerves out. I yeah, think. I yeah. can I can see that. Well, yeah. so if it helps you to have yeah. to set it up yourself, then do it. But uh, then I eventually, you know, as when I got here, I I started to like want to rely on more people. I think I'm in a healthier place now. Uh, but anyway, uh, find find people that can can help you. Um, Make 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 your burden easier. And yeah. on that subject, we should talk about before we run out of yeah. time, boards. boards, boards of boards of directors with your orchestra. Before you get there, can I sure. can I add one thing to set up? I, I found uh, well out of necessity that's become complicated now because we're trying to have as few different hands on things as possible. Oh, that's true. This is all yes. different with COVID. Um, yeah. So yeah. So basically, at the end of every rehearsal. We have to spray down everything. Yeah, we're required to by uh, the school, which is fine. Uh, but um, for the sake of not spreading too many germs around, 
uh, I'm, I'm more or less doing all the setup and breakdown myself with the help of a couple of members of the board who also participate in rehearsals anyway. Yeah. So they're there, they're not, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a participating board, so they're not just coming in to do that. Um, so that's just the other consideration now is, is how do we do this a bit more safely, you know, rather yeah. than sharing, passing stands around, you know, having that. Uh, what we used to do is we would have just everybody take their own chair and stand back at the end of rehearsal. Um, but it's, it's just, it's not practical anymore because to do that, we, you know, we're passing things back and forth to each other and we'd be really, really in each other's space for, yeah, you for longer than I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Right. You want to yeah. avoid the congregating together. Yes. Yeah, the whole the whole COVID protocols does change a bit how how things go. Speaking of boards, Larry, to yeah, your point, back to the boards. Yeah, yeah, back to the boards. So this is um, this is one of the things that I um, absolutely love about the Wasatch Symphony. There's many things, uh, but I have an excellent board of directors with this orchestra. They are really top notch, crucial. And I think when you're when you're founding an orchestra, or even if you've taken it over and you need to rebuild a board, you need to think about the kinds of, of people with the skills they need in order to do the job of the orchestra. So, for example, you need to have somebody on there who's decent with money, who can yeah. be your treasurer. Yeah. You need to have someone on there who's good with social media, who can do your outreach on social media and outreach in other areas. Um, someone who's maybe looking at long-term things, uh, like like um, uh, grants, writing mm. grants, development coordinator. Uh, here in Utah, or in Salt Lake County, actually just Salt Lake County, we have the ZAP grant, Zoo okay. Arts and Parks. and um, it's uh, it's money that comes in from sales tax, but then you can apply for a grant. And so we have a member of our board and uh, who puts that together, and she she um, makes that application every year for okay. us. So finding people who have those skills, which are all skills I don't have. Mm. I don't have social media skills. Yeah. I don't have money skills. And so I don't want to have to do that. Um, I have some, but, but uh, I'd rather not deal with it. Well, yeah, we've got, it's not our role necessarily. Well, right, and we, yeah. we again, it goes back to taking care of yourself. You want to be able to do music well. So when you're putting a board together, uh, putting an orchestra together, make sure you're recruiting a good board. And I, I have an all-player board, so everybody who's on the board are also players in the orchestra. I really like that. I think that that's um, that's really a good um, a good way of doing things. Um, but if you if you do have people who are not necessarily in the orchestra. Or the ensemble playing—that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that can be also helpful as well. But finding someone who's good with money, good with social media, maybe even someone who's got some legal skills, because mm-hmm. uh, also if you're if you're founding a group, yeah. you need to write bylaws. You need to be you need to get your documentation into the IRS as a nonprofit. So there's a lot of uh, that kind of ancillary stuff. That's a really good point. Yeah, uh, my board in Vernal. Uh, made a really brilliant move and uh, brought on uh, uh, an individual who is a small business owner and he's started many small businesses successfully mm-hmm. and he is brilliant in terms of thinking about hold on a second that guy lives in the block and he's got a loud truck alright anyway go, and go. He, he was barely looking up he was typing on a cell phone the whole time through the intersection has he rolled through the stop oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh we're back to the we're traffic back, report yeah. okay I'm yeah. sorry no it's okay um <laughs> Anyway, this, this individual is, he's got a wonderful perspective because he's always thinking about things from that business side of visibility, publicity, and liability, as well as the practicality of just running a business, which is mm-hmm. not something I'm trained to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's, quite frankly, part of the job that I'd rather not have my hands in anyway. 
Yeah. Uh, and so it's 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 wonderful to be able to rely on each member of the board who specializes in this or that. Yeah. And and if you're gonna if you're gonna be have a paid position, uh, if you're gonna found this board and you as the music director are gonna get paid, which is not necessarily always the case, but hopefully you'll get that. You you can't be handling the money if you're also getting the money. That's right. <laughs> so if you're getting a salary, you can't it's, be at the treasurer. Yeah, quite quite the um, conflict of interest there. McKeever, yeah. I want to bring you in on this. So I, I was trying to remember, do you have a board for your orchestra or how, how, how is governance done there in the Milwaukee? Oh, here come the dogs. Hey guys. Ultra hey, dogs. Puppers. I miss those puppers. Hey. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so to answer your question, Larry, yes, we do. Um, but it's 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 a it's it's interesting because we have not yet reached the five hundred one c three status, oh, okay. but we do have but we do have a board, and the board is like yours, Larry. It is all players, um, and and I guess in in some capacity, every staff role, and I put staff in quotations, that that I do have is is primarily it's 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 all uh, player directed as well, you know. Um, my principal horn is my guy for my setup. He also helps distribute posters. Um, you know, I one of the things that I'm not entirely sure that we've talked about um, that that I can just very briefly address is especially in in the capacity of of being the music director and finding an orchestra. You know, being the founding music director and and whatever head honcho you would say is that about you know. 105% of the responsibilities are going to fall on you yeah. at, at, at to start. So sure. when I started this, you know, it was all, uh, you know, I did the setup. I yeah. did the marketing. I wrote the program. I, um, did, I between me and my, my concert master, we did the Boeings. Yeah. I then put them into the extra parts. I then copied the extra parts. I distributed the parts, you know, um, to the point where conduct, conducting was five percent of the job. Mm. Yeah, if that. Yeah. You know, it's and, and I did the same thing, uh, Matt. When I was founded my orchestra at Pitt Community College, uh, I had this concept, and I, I and because that was a little different because I was I was starting the orchestra as, as through the school, and so it was always a, a collaboration between students and community members mm, right and and the school served as the the overseeing supporting structure so that didn't have a board per se mm -hmm. but i had to go around within the school within the college to find all the people i needed to get it done so i went to my boss and i pitched the idea of having it as a class and then he had to get the dean on board and we had to figure out how funding was going to work and then one of the things that we also did is we talked to um the continuing education department which, uh, for those of you who aren't in education, that's basically the side of a college that offers classes to people in the community who aren't taking it for credit. Mm. Um, so, like, that's your classes about how to write your memoirs and stuff like that, yeah. that people just take for fun and you're not getting necessarily um, credit. So we, we collaborated with them and brought in the community orchestra members through that side of it. So anyway, it's a, but, but at that point, I was having to go around and do everything and bring all these different groups together. And, and educate people about what you have to do. Um, hold on a sec, we're gonna pause here. Yeah. All right, so anyway, so I had to basically go around and educate people, and I had to do everything. And I had to, to say, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. So yeah, you are doing a ton of work, but from the beginning, 
Yeah. Have a plan to figure out how you're going to pass that work off to people mm. once you've educated. And once I, I kind of told everybody, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do, I then had created the team, and now I got this person doing programs. I got this mm. person putting posters together. You know, And so we have, this really, we have this really good team put together. But you will have to be the person who educates everybody about what needs to be done. Mm. Yes, um, and how you want it done and, you know... Yeah. To, to you know really try to have the approval on how things are supposed to be not have everything just kind of be done I don't want to say willy-nilly but make sure you know drafts are sent drafts are approved um, you know things things of that nature um, yeah good well um, we're running a little low on time but just before before we go I want to talk a little bit about uh, recruiting players mm. and sources of, of, of how to find folks. Uh, I'll just start with what I did back in North Carolina. Is um, we had a, a part of a, one of the, univer the university there a long time ago had community members, and they the program got so big, and they had just a mm. smattering of them, and and people were saying, oh yeah, I wish we used to back in the day we had orchestra, we could play the university orchestra. It'd be really great if we had that again. Mm. So look for the need, right? Mm. So if 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 they find find the community and find the circumstance and the group of people. That, that are looking to play in an orchestra. Um, you know, in Salt Lake, we have a lot of ensembles, but maybe there's a particular community in, within this, in the suburbs or something like that would like, like their own group. So find the need of where the players are, and that's where you're going to look for your, your source. And then the, the best thing is, of course, is just word of mouth and talking to people. And what I, would, what I did in North Carolina is I, I started with that core group of people that I knew that used to play in the university orchestra and said, you want to play? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And I said, well, who else wants to play? And I would just go through their tree of people that they know. And I just mm. made phone calls. I remember that summer before I, mm. I, as I was founding it, I just called people all the time and oh, said, wow. hey, this is, I'm starting this orchestra. I got your name from so-and-so. They said you might be interested in playing. This is our plan. This is what we're going to do. And I just, That's it was great. like I was, it was like I was, you know, you know, making cold calls. Yeah. But, but I mean, it wasn't really a cold call because I had a recommendation and I'm, I was selling music. So people are usually, yeah. they're not going to hang up on you for that. Well, people appreciate that invite, I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're so not going to be offended. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, you want me to play in your group? You want what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. You're not asking me for money? Great. No. Let's talk. Yeah. Just your talent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so connections and talking and, and you might, yeah. and you might think, well, I know like five people, but those five people <clears throat> each know five people. You can probably put together an orchestra. Uh, through those connections. Mm. So anyway, that's that's how I did it. I just I found there is a need, and I found a few core people who were expressing that need, and then we sort of we filtered out and we we put together a full fledged orchestra. That uh, brings go ahead. Yeah, no, that brings to mind something I wanted to ask both of you about, which is uh, membership responsibilities and roles. Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost, do you ask your members to pay dues? Yes. We, okay. For for the Wasatch Symphony, yes, okay. they do. They pay dues. Um, and that's because I mean, we have expenses. Mm. Uh, we have uh, we have to rent the hall. Uh, we have to rent uh, our, our, our our rehearsing space, and we have to buy music and things like that. Uh, they're not. I think it's something like sixty dollars a year or something oh, like that. Okay. Fifty or sixty. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a it's ton not, of money, and we huge, don't turn yeah. anybody away. Like if people, and especially yeah. now, I know we actually actually have waived dues um, mm. for this season. Okay. Partly because uh, um, I was going to ask about that. We too, only yeah. have our strings participating. Yeah. So um, anyway. So we, we waive dues now, but we don't turn anybody away because they can't pay dues. Mm. Um, so, but most people do, and some yeah. people pay more than they, they do, more than they have to. Um, and I also think it's good to give people buy into the group. I think you know, that's true. They feel like yeah. they've, 
they've they've actually invested some money yeah. in the group and I don't know, I haven't seen any studies a, on this, but it feels like it might motivate people to I think to you're right. It's a very it. very different thing from a professional group that that's your job. You have to show up. If you don't show up, you get fired. Yeah, because it's a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but community groups, I think you're right. They, and when they feel that they have some investment beyond just, oh, I want to play, uh, even if it's like 20 bucks, you know, there's, there's a dollar sign there, but it means something more to yeah. have to commit to that. Matt, yeah. what about you? Does your group pay dues? No, okay. um, I feel like uh, them having to deal with me is doing up. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it's, it's a little bit different because like our group, we meet every week. So it's sort of like you're part of a, uh, not a, not a, like a club maybe, but it's it's like a, like you're in the Rotary Club or something like that. You come there, it's, there's a social aspect yeah. to it. So it's like a weekly thing. Yeah. It feels a little different than something that, that like, like what Matt has yeah. is you don't meet all the time. You I, just meet for these right. blocks. I felt bad last night. I had to gently remind everyone to not gather inside afterwards. Yeah. Because we broke, you know, we, we broke our, well, not broke, we ended rehearsal. Uh, and uh, it was a, quite a few people that wanted to hang around and chat, and, and mm -hmm. I had to say, sorry, this is this is not, we can't do it this time. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's go outside. It's not that cold yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I tell them. Yeah. I said, everybody, you know, we, we take yeah. our breaks, so we got to leave the room, go outside or into the hallway, but leave the room mm -hmm. and don't cluster. And so far, at least my group, they've been really good about good. that. So mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been feeling good. Uh, Matt, any other thoughts about... Um, about recruiting or anything like that with your, I, I sort of told my recruiting story. What, what was the recruiting situation with you guys? You know, I think that primarily it's, it's going to be the same, um, you know, at first. So I, I, I should probably just kind of start, start and maybe just kind of tell a little bit about how the orchestra actually started. Mm. Cause it really started with, with a, with a pet project of someone coming to me and saying, um, I really want to do Beethoven seven. Would you be interested in conducting it? And I kind of laughed because <laughs> I remember in my very first time trying to get a group together in Bozeman, Montana, I was, I spent about three weeks trying to hammer out people's schedules to do the Stravinsky octet yeah. for a reading and a recording and a rehearsal. So I could send tape to, you know, auditions and applications and whatnot. Um, and I couldn't make it happen. Uh. So I, I, I sort of made a joke, and I just said, all right, you find me an orchestra, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to. Just, you know, well, that's the ultimate right. outsourcing right there, yeah, McKeever. Really. Yeah. I love that. Delegating. <laughs> find to, me to an orchestra, max. and I will conduct your Beethoven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I kid you not, two days later, we had an orchestra, we had a venue, we had wow. a date, we had a poster. And it was all, it was okay. all this individual who approached you. It was all... It, it was it was a collaboration. You know, once we had some of the core players, then we were able to kind of move into asking more people if they want to join. And then after that successful rehearsal, or not rehearsal, but that successful concert, we then had a little bit of momentum. People had kind of heard what we were doing, um, were interested, interested in playing, interested in enjoying, then interested in, in, in seeing what it is, and it grew from there. You know, within a year from... From there, actually, not even a year from there, half a year from there, we did uh, we did Brahms two. I mean, like mm. you know, you go in in six months from doing Beethoven seven to with you know maybe two or three on a string part to, to Brahms two. I mean, wow. it's uh, that's quite the transition. It, yeah, you the know, Beethoven uh, seventh is no small yeah, work either. That's a, that's it's, a no, it's no, it's not. And, and you know, like very very luckily we. 
we had uh, friends who um, who had you know the the Baron Rider parts, and then my concert master, uh, you know, literally worked on Boeing's for about twelve hours, and then we painstakingly, um, you know, through through many hours of of having a, a six pack and a very large pizza, you know, mm. put Boeing's into every individual part. And then, you know, all right, now we have to label the parts. Now we have to figure out, all right, who has this part? How are we getting this part? I mean, again, it's a, it's a process yeah. and trying to navigate, you know, the, the, the responsibilities, because unless you kind of live it yourself, you're not always aware of how much goes into the overall production of an orchestra concert. Yeah. And I think that experience, and I, and certainly when I founded the orchestra in North Carolina, it gave me a really good appreciation of what it takes to run an orchestra. Um, and all the components involved. I mean, when I did my master's, I, I, you know, I knew how I was working with a university orchestra and had an inside view of that, but you really get down to the nitty gritty of it when you're having to start, take it from scratch. So it's a really good, it's a good experience. Um, Prior to, not prior to, but while I was, you know, working with my orchestra um, in, in Milwaukee, like when we were in our kind of uh, maturing years, um, I, I remember I was, I was simultaneously uh, working for the Milwaukee Youth Symphony, and I had to come up with these concert memos that literally detailed list by list and kind of minute by minute, second by second how is the concert going to run, you know, load in times, load out times, who is moving, what equipment, what equipment are we taking? Like, and, and it, these production memos were legitimately things that saved my life mm. because every detail was thought of, but I will never forget the very first concert. And I had, you know, done the production memo, everything had gone out and we get to the, uh, the backstage and it's maybe about, 30 seconds before the, the conductor is about ready to walk on and conduct the, the show. And the conductor asked me who was holding the door. <laughs> you know, Fair enough. That, <laughs> it gets down to that detail. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I and mean, we didn't even talk about like, like concert no. venue, like who's going to move the equipment yeah. there. If you don't not, the equipment's oh, not already there. I mean, it's, there's a lot to go on, if but starting, there is, you know, yeah. who's going to, who's going to turn on the lights? Yeah. What are the lighting yeah. cues? How is that going to get communicated? I mean, you know, if you're not in a union hall or if you're not in a hall that has a headset, you know, I've had to, I've had to be on the end of a, of, of a communication stream where literally someone texts you go. And that's when you turn off the lights. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to say, yeah. you know, it's a lot of work. Founding a community orchestra is a lot of work. I am, um, I'm very glad that when I took over at Wasatch, that it was, it was, you know, it's been around for over 60 years yeah, at that point. Yeah, it's a well-established group. It's yeah, and, and that, that feels very good. But, you know, the, the pride you get when you found a group and, and you mm. get to that first rehearsal and that first downbeat when all of that work has actually resulted in sound and music and community, there's nothing like it. Yeah, people really love there it. There really isn't. And sometimes I honestly think the rehearsal process and especially the intimacy that you are able to share with your musicians in the rehearsal process of knowing that it's a collaboration of all of you who have brought this together mm. is sometimes even more rewarding than the concert experience. You know, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I, so I it's have, worth it. I have sort of a final wrap-up question, All right, which is at what point in an organization's growth, let's say you founded this group, 
At what point do you start to think about hiring a librarian or an executive director or a personnel manager mm -hmm. or a stage manager? Because right now we do all those things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not technically in our job title or in our job descriptions most of the time, but mm -hmm. we end up doing a lot of that stuff simply because it needs to get done. At what point do you start to think about bringing on other experts, in particular well, an executive director who can do the fundraising and the, the, uh, the, 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 revenue, the venue uh, reservations and mm -hmm. get personnel on board, that sort of a thing? I've, I mean, I've never hired uh, as an executive director. We have volunteer, like our board members take care of those tasks. We have a, a personnel manager who's on our board, um, for example, um, and we have a librarian. Our librarian is on our board, mm -hmm. um, but they all do it as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. They don't get paid. I would say um, you would start wanting to get a paid executive director if you're if you're needing to to raise a, a decent amount of money because you're expending amount of money you're doing a lot of concerts mm -hmm. um, and you have to have more performance venues yeah. um, or if you're in a situation where you're hiring ringers and you need mm -hmm. to have a, more of a budget for personnel we don't we don't do any hiring of ringers we're all all volunteers all in house. It's all it's all volunteer, and we haven't even touched on the subject of ringers. And sometimes you have to do it. I, yeah. I, I, if you can avoid it, I would I would say avoid it because some people are like, why is that guy getting yeah, paid and I'm fair. not getting paid? Yeah. It's it's I've been a ringer yeah. and I felt weird about it. Yeah. So I just anyway, it's, as, it as a, a player weird. anyway. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's about when you have expenses. Like, can your organization operate with volunteers? Yeah. If it can, if you need to pay people. If like if the work needs to get done, but I would say you wouldn't need an executive director until you such time that you have as, as enough workload to require um, uh, a lot of. I tell you what, I would mm. say uh, you might want to have a, a paid grants writer, you yeah. know, hire someone, but that wouldn't be like a, a ongoing job. You would just hire somebody to write grants for you um, and pay them um, for each of the grants they do. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but they're you know professional grant writers. So I would say that. Um, and maybe a professional librarian would be the second hire. Hmm. Um, if you if you had a large orchestra and you wanted to, you know, and it was a lot of work to get all those Boeings in there and stuff like that. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be somebody's full time job, but mm -hmm. you might might pay one of your players or an outside person to take care of that. Um, so that that would be my my thoughts on that. McKeever, what do you think? You know, I will agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm also going to say it will also fully depend on the overall mission of what you're mm. trying to provide you know like like for for me i, I much of the, the dismay of, of, of my musicians and if they're listening please take exactly what i'm saying for for what it is i think i think that i i personally love the the community aspect of it that's what makes it special mm. it you know when when these players are are Giving what they what they can to provide this service for people who are not paying to attend and are not paying to being paid to play. Um, I think at, at some point when you start introducing things really like like money to it, it then I don't want to say it loses its its speciality, mm. but it um, then becomes a job. Yeah, it's different and. And what I've noticed is when things really do become jobs, then there's animosity that goes into doing mm -hmm. it. Not to say that there is an animosity of, you know, the last thing you want to do at the end of a day already is to go to a rehearsal, but 
you know, it, it, if you make the commitment, then you, you go through the commitment. And I think at the end of the day, then sometimes you, you, you feel better about what you do. It's like, you know, sometimes at the end of a day, the last thing you want to do is go on a run, but you feel better if you do it. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and with that being said, you know, I, I think that, it, again, it depends on what your, what your overall mission is. If your mission is at some point we're going to build this up to pay people or we're going to build this up to become more of a of an orchestra that's going to provide a service in this in this area then i think you know at that point you do kind of sort of explore those avenues of maybe looking into paid positions but um if that's really not the overall goal of what you're trying to accomplish i think that having things done by the the whole community of the people that you are surrounding yourself with to create this project um creates a better sense of accomplishment mm. so i think yeah i think the people who like well, i know my board you know they 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 do a great job with with these tasks that they have and i and it doesn't seem like at least they haven't expressed that they feel overloaded so in, in the past someone says you know i i can't do this anymore for for this period i got this going on can someone else take it over we've always been able to find it so i think as long as people aren't feeling overworked doing these support roles out you know the work outside of playing in the ensemble then i say just just have people do it as a volunteer mm -hmm. um and uh, and by the way, those those volunteer hours do go to things like grants. I mean, mm. you you can get a benefit from having a volunteer, mm. at least with the ZAP grants and the ones we've applied for, and we we log those volunteer hours. So, it's all about whether or not you can get the job done, and people don't feel overworked. But but pay attention to that. You don't want to overstress people. You want people to take it seriously, but you don't want them to feel like it's a burden to do these Very correct. Su support I think, things. I think completely agree. Okay, well we're a little a little along in the tooth uh, here with the show. Uh, you, we got a quick rant, or you want to? You just want to wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. We'll, rant, wrap it we'll up. rant. We'll, we'll give, rant. We'll give the maestro yeah. a week off. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's he's a little hoarse. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> a lot of yelling. All right, McKeever, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us virtually. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. Well, you're 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 a regular crew member here, and um, and we we look forward to when you're back back in town. Uh, after after whatever kind of random fall break, yeah. vice presidential debate break we have going on here. That's weird. Uh, yeah, the University of Utah is, well, yeah. maybe hosting the vice presidential debate. We'll see, we'll but see. we're supposed to. Uh, so we're closed this, this next yeah. two weeks in terms of on-person, in any kind of in-person teaching. So McKeever is taking the opportunity to get out of town. So when you're back, we'll look forward to having you here in person in the front yard. Absolutely. I'm going to enjoy the time while I have here, um, but it will be very lovely to see both of you in person and, again. And coffee. Person. And coffee, right. You can have yes, the coffee. Yes, absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, thank right. you so much, McKeever and uh, Matt. Until next week. Until next week. This has been Conductor's Brew with Larry, Matt. And crew. And the crew. <laughs> and the McKeever crew. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll, so see, we'll see you next week. Cheers.